0: Question to the Prime Minister. Jim
1: Sheridan.
0: Number one, Mr. Speaker. M- Mr. Speaker, before listing uh, my engagements, I'm sure the whole House will wish to join me in expressing our deepest condolences to the family and friends of those killed on operations in Afghanistan over the last week. There were Corporal Dean John, Corporal Graham Stiff, Lance Corporal Christopher Harkett. They and all those who have lost their lives in conflict deserve our profound gratitude for their service not just to our country, but to the peace of the world. Their courage and sacrifice will never be forgotten. This morning, I had meetings with Ministerial colleagues and others. In addition to my duties in the House, I shall have further such meetings later today.
1: Jim Sheridan. Thank you, Mr Speaker. I'm sure the whole House would wish to associate ourselves with the comments made by the Prime Minister. Mr Speaker, today's unemployment figures are extremely disappointing, and as a former shipyard worker who experienced the indignity of three years unemployment in the early 1980s, I can well understand the frustration and anger that uh, unemployment brings. But could I ask my right hon. Friend if he will not abandon the unemployed and make sure that this government will continue to invest in the skills and the training needed to help us through these difficult times.
0: Mr Mr. Speaker, I'm grateful to my honourable friend. Uh, Any person who loses a job or is in fear of losing their job, this is a matter of personal regret uh, for me and for the whole government. Uh, And I don't regard unemployment as a statistic. I regard it as one person, a second person, a third person who needs our help. And that's why we'll do everything in our can- we can to help people get back to the work. That's why we've announced uh, more apprentices. That's why we've announced more help with training. That's why we've announced that from April there will be help for those who have been unemployed for six months. That's why we've put $1.3 billion into the job centre, money that is necessary, so that we can help hundreds of thousands of people in the next few months get back into work.
2: David Cummins? Thank you you, Mr Speaker. I join the Prime Minister in paying tribute to Corporal Dean John, Corporal Graham Stiff and Lance Corporal Christopher Harkett. The fact that more, more than 150 of our servicemen and women have been killed in Afghanistan is a reminder once again of the huge sacrifices our armed forces are making on our behalf. We praise their bravery, we honour their memory and we must look after their families. Today, as has been said, we have seen unemployment rise to over two million. The increase in the claimant count is the sharpest rise since records began. Doesn't this reveal that the claims repeatedly made by the Prime Minister that Britain was one of the best-placed countries in the world to withstand recession was simply nonsense?
0: Mr Speaker, I, I, I came into politics and I stood for Parliament first because I wanted to help tackle unemployment and poverty. And that is why, and that is why, and that is why we are announcing the most comprehensive programme to help the unemployed. But I have to tell them that unemployment is higher in France, in Germany, in Japan, in America. It's higher in most of the other countries that we are dealing with. But we are taking urgent action to help those people who are unemployed, We are spending £1.3 helping our job centres and helping people in work. The Conservatives would not spend that money. I ask him why he would not help us deal with the problem of unemployment. I have to say to the Prime Minister that Members of
2: Parliament on every side of this House will contrast what he's said with the fact that 144 of our further education colleges, the exact organisations we need to retrain people who are unemployed, are having their building projects halted. There is, there is this enormous gulf between what he says every week and what his government is actually doing. But let me. Let me return to the question. People will simply not understand why the Prime Minister is so incapable of ever admitting that he got anything wrong. It is not just the unemployment figures today. The IMF has said that the recession will be deeper and longer in Britain than in many other countries, and that Britain will be the only major economy in the world that will be in recession next year. So let me ask him again. Wasn't it wrong to claim that Britain was one of the best-placed countries in the world to withstand recession?
0: Admit it. No, Mr Speaker, because the fact is America entered recession uh, more than a year and three months ago. Uh, the euro area entered recession in April last, last year. We entered recession in July. We, we stopped going into recession for months after what had happened in America. And the action that we are taking now is designed to get us through this as quickly as possible. Now, let me correct him on further education colleges, because we're going to spend £110 million this year investing in further education colleges. Let me correct him on public expenditure, because we are investing £44 billion this year in health and education and other capital investment projects to help us through this downturn. And let me correct him again on unemployment. Unemployment is far higher in America, in France and Germany and the euro area. Now I know that is little comfort to people in this country, and that is why we are doing everything we can to help them. Well let let me let me correct yes, there is plenty more.
2: Let me correct the Prime Minister. Let me correct the prime minister on the figures he's just given to the house of commons. He says the recession started in July. The economy stopped growing in April last year. We've been in recession for almost a year. Let me correct him. Yes. Let me. Let me correct him. On the FE colleges, on the further education colleges, he should come to my own constituency in Whitney, where people are in temporary classrooms because the whole building projects had to be abandoned because of his incompetent government. The whole The whole country, the whole country will see that the Prime Minister is in denial about the length and the depth of the recession. He likes to talk about the schemes he's announced, so let's have a look at them. Can he confirm that not a single unemployed person has been helped by the recruitment subsidies that we called for in November and that he announced in January? And can he confirm that not one single homeowner has been helped by the homeowners' mortgage support scheme that the Prime Minister announced in December? Isn't it the case that these two specific schemes simply aren't operating?
0: Mr. Speaker, first of all, he's wrong about the start date of the recession. Secondly, he's wrong about further education because 110 million will be spent this year. Thirdly, he says says we're not doing anything. I tell him in the last last recession, there was no help available for the unemployed. We are spending 1.3 billion to help people get into work. And let's just go through the things we're doing. Train to Gain used to be 300,000 people. It's going to rise to a million people helped under train to gain. Mortgage support, we raise the levels of support so that people can stay in their homes even when they find that they lose their jobs. And as the Secretary of Work announced, it was in April, that is next month, that these programmes will come in that will help people who are six months unemployed. And that was the date we set. The problem is, he asks us to do more but he's the only opposition in history that is asking us to do more by saying he will spend less and it just doesn't add up. Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker.
2: We've just had Mr Speaker the view from the bunker where all these schemes are operating where everything has been implemented and the fact is on the ground these things aren't happening. It's not can we get a lecture we get a lecture in competence from a government that couldn't even stop Fred Goodwin or sorry Sir Fred Goodwin because he knighted him for his services to the banking industry so incompetent couldn't stop him walking off with a pension that's worth £60,000 a month. But it's not just the housing scheme and the job scheme. The asset-backed security scheme, that's not up and running. The working capital scheme, that's not working properly. Isn't that why the CBI said this Government has a total lack of a coherent strategy? Isn't that why Shelter say Shelter say people facing repossessions have been given, and I quote, false hope? Does the Prime Minister regret giving these people false hope?
0: That is is not what we've done. We've negotiated with the building societies and banks a six-month moratorium for people who are faced with mortgage repossession. We've sent new orders to our courts that people cannot, as a first resort, go to repossession. They've got to go through all the proper processes before they even consider that. We are helping people who are unemployed with their mortgages at a level that has not been uh, done before, and next month, we bring in the protection scheme, which is us insuring the banks and the building societies against loss so that people can phase their mortgages over a longer period of time. The problem he has got is everything he proposes he will not fund and everything he says he will do. He, on Monday, he said there were going to be more cuts in public expenditure. Already, he's refused to support the $1.3 billion that is going in to help the job centres and to help people who are unemployed. It is simply not credible to come to this House and say that he is urging us to do something when he would pay for absolutely nothing.
2: I don't know why I don't know why the Prime Minister doesn't just listen to his own Employment Minister, who this morning actually had the courage to leave the bunker for a moment and say this. He said, yes, there is a frustration about these schemes and the money and the credit getting through. If the Prime Minister had listened to us, he would have introduced a national loan guarantee scheme would have been operating for five months. Shouldn't he listen to the German Chancellor, who stood with him in Downing Street and said this, Angela Merkel said this, if we want to make real impact, I think the Honourable Member Bolsover should be quiet. I know he wanted miners to join the Government. Well, he got him now, Lord Miners. This is, this is what... This is. Let me go back. Let me go back. Let me go back to the German Chancellor. The German Chancellor said this. The German Chancellor said.
1: The... Miss Nelgrove, I've told you before. It's not the done thing to shout in, in the chamber. You shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, maybe get a wee tablet to the doctor or something. But you shouldn't be shouting.
2: Yeah. The the trouble is, Mr Speaker, they all want Lord Miners to negotiate their retirement packages. (laughs) Call an election and we can arrange it. Right, back to the German Chancellor. She said this if we want to make a real impact, you really must implement the package first before you talk about the next step. Isn't that right? Isn't this government just running around like headless chickens with initiative after initiative that never get implemented? And isn't this combination of ineffectiveness and hyperactivity the worst combination of
0: all? Yeah. N- Mr. Speaker. The Right Honourable Gentleman opposed the German fiscal expansion. He opposed every fiscal expansion in America, in Germany, in France. He is out on a limb in opposing public expenditure rising in a downturn. He wants to cut it, and he wants to cut it now. And I have to say to him about his great 50 billion scheme. The Shadow Chancellor said, This scheme is another, another Tory scheme, does not add to public expenditure. But the shadow, shadow Chancellor then went on to say the taxpayer will have to take some of the hit. So the Conservative Party don't know whether the scheme that they're proposing will cost money or not cost money. That is how bereft they are of ideas for the economy. Mr Speaker, Mr. Speaker I think the Leader of the Opposition doesn't understand one thing. This is an unprecedented global banking crisis unprecedented means without precedent. Global means it is the whole of the world. Banking crisis means it's affecting every bank in the world. And the sooner he wakes up to the fact that we need global action to deal with it, the better for our country. Well, I'm
2: glad, I'm glad the Prime Minister is back to reading out quotations because we now know how long a pledge from this Prime Minister lasts. Yesterday, yesterday, he said this in The Guardian. I personally have always said that modern politics, with its focus on who said what, when and how, is far too divisive to meet the problems of the country. What? What, what a complete phony. Now... HE MENTIONS
1: Let me chair the proceedings. That remark should be withdrawn. It should be withdrawn and properly withdrawn. Uh, order, uh, order, uh, order, I, I'll do the talking. It should be withdrawn and properly withdrawn.
2: Yeah. I'm happy to withdraw that. And, and perhaps... And perhaps return uh, where I was to the Germans. Now, the Prime Minister mentioned the Germans. Of course, they went into the recession with a surplus and not a deficit. And that's why the German Finance Minister said the VAT cut, which we opposed, will build up debt that will take a generation to pay off. But, Mr. Speaker, let us be clear about what has happened today. This government has announced the biggest rise in the dole queue since records began. That is a rise faster than under any Conservative government or any Labour government. Isn't it the case that he has led us to this point without a hint of an apology and the British people will never forget it?
0: Mr Speaker, first of all... First of all, quoting German finance ministers the week that they are walking away from the mainstream of European (laughs) politics is absolutely absurd. Secondly, 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 Mr Speaker, we are prepared to spend money to help the unemployed. We are not going to walk by on the other side. We are going to help them. But the Conservatives' main proposal for spending money, let's be absolutely clear, we are spending money to help the unemployed their first priority is an inheritance tax cut for the 3,000 top estates in the country. What more indication of Conservative priorities that in the motion on the debate on the economy today they do not even mention the word unemployment. That is what they feel. They are the party of the few. We are the party of the many.
1: Thank you, Mr Speaker. Six months ago today, a constituent of mine, Claire Walker, died of cervical cancer. She was 23 years of age. Will the Prime Minister join with me, Claire's family, friends, and supporters who are in London today campaigning in wholeheartedly welcoming last Friday's announcement that there will be a full, independent, and comprehensive review? to consider the urgent case for the reintroduction of cervical cancer screening for young women under 25.
0: Mr Speaker, I do appreciate everything that my honorable friend said and any family that is suffering because of cervical cancer, indeed any form of cancer, has all our sympathies and we want to do everything we can to help. That's why we've introduced the vaccinations for teenagers and extended that and are ready to extend it further. But that's why also the independent review that he mentioned is going to look at the case uh, for cervical cancer screening being available to people under 25. It is our responsibility to look at all the medical evidence that is available about the risks as well as about the advantages. That will be done and I assure them we take seriously the needs of anyone who is facing cancer at this time.
1: Nick Clegg yeah. Mr. Speaker, Mr Speaker, I'd like to add my own expressions of sympathy, condolence to the family and friends of the three soldiers who tragically lost their lives in Afghanistan this last week and with the death toll Of our brave servicemen and servicewomen, now uh, over 150, I think it is right that we pause to reflect on the immense sacrifice that they and their families have had to endure in serving this country and, of course, the people of Afghanistan. Mr Speaker, does the Prime Minister believe that the culture of frenzied target setting, which has been introduced into the NHS by his government, had any role to play whatsoever in the horrific events that occurred at Staffordshire General Hospital?
0: Let me first, first of all say that uh, with the Health Secretary, we do apologise to those people who have suffered as a result of the mistakes that have been made in Stafford Hospital. Everybody who uses the National Health Service has uh, a right, if they put their faith in the National Health Service at its hospital, to expect the highest standards of treatment. These were not the highest standards of treatment. These were standards of treatment that now investigated fell far short of the standards that people expect. And the first thing that we have got to do, the first thing we've got to do, is assure the families of those who have suffered and relatives who are grieving and want answers to their questions that there will be independent reviews, if they seek it, uh, of their uh, uh, families' case notes uh, so that they can be assured of what has happened. And that is the first thing that we will do. The second thing we have got to look at is whether this is a generic uh, problem or whether it is a problem of a specific hospital. I am assured by the Healthcare Commission and the Chief Executive has made the statement today uh, that uh, there is no equivalent case in, in all of the other hospitals and all of the other parts of the country in the NHS. Therefore, I think we should focus on the individual mistakes that were made by management in that area, deal with that. There is a further inquiry going on to look at what happened between 2003 and 2005 and at the same time uh, the Quality Care Commission is looking at what lessons we can learn in general from what happened.
1: When doctors at that hospital have confirmed that they were instructed instructed by their managers to abandon seriously ill patients, to treat people with minor ailments instead, to meet his targets, talk, talk of reviews and inquiries, blaming other people, isn't enough. Will he scrap scrap the mad targets which make hospitals tick boxes rather than look after the desperately ill?
0: Yeah. Well, well, Mr Speaker, whatever happened in that hospital is unacceptable and should never be allowed to happen again. But I too have looked at all the detail of the evidence in this report. And what the report also refers to is nursing care standards being poor, but never discussed and identified as being poor. Results of patient surveys being available, but never reported to the board. At the time, the C. difficile infection, nobody on the board or the general public ever knew that that infection had doubled and therefore these were low standards of management in the hospital and these are standards of management that have got to be dealt with by our, our review. I take seriously everything that comes out of this case but I think it is not unreasonable in the modern age to expect a hospital to have the highest standards of care and at the same time ensure that within two weeks every cancer patient is seen. It is not unreasonable to say that they should have the highest standards of care and ensure that there is only an 18-week wait from seeing a doctor to getting operated and it is not unreasonable in accident and emergencies to say the highest standards of care should be pursued and people should have not to wait for hours before they get treatment. Now, we we will look at all the evidence that is available. The Quality Care Commission will look at it. But I think we've got to deal with the individual management failures in this hospital, then learn whatever lessons we can for the future of the National Health Service. Thank
1: you, Mr Speaker. After, uh, after these damaging revelations about Stafford Hospital, there are relatives today in turmoil wanting to know if their loved one's death at that hospital could have been prevented. Can I press the Prime Minister on what he's just said about reviews? I say that those relatives are entitled to an independent assessment to answer that question for them. Does he agree with that?
0: There are no excuses for what happened in Stafford Hospital, no excuses at all and that is why every single relative who asks for it has a right to see the the, the case notes reviewed independently and, and to see the notes themselves and that is what will happen. They will have a right, therefore, to take whatever action is necessary as a result of seeing the papers before them. At the same time, Mr. Giorgio Berti, who is recognised to be a very preeminent surgeon, is going to go to the hospital to look at the progress that has been made, reported by the Healthcare Commission already, to ensure that the patients in future uh, at Stafford Hospital will have the assurance of the highest standards. The Chief Executive has been removed, the Chairman of the Trust has been removed. There is a new chief executive who will look at disciplinary procedures wherever they are necessary. We have got to do everything to assure people that they can have the trust that we know everybody wants to have in the National Health Service and every hospital in the country.
1: Yeah. Annette Brooke. Yeah. Thank you, Mr Speaker is the prime minister still committed to robustly protecting the green belt and if that is so will his government scrap the south west regional spatial strategy and allow local communities to develop plans to address local housing needs and protect precious open spaces
0: well, I, I hope if she wants to talk about the future of the region she will join the regional committees in the house of commons to debate that as far as as far as well as far as, the, as far as the Green Belt is concerned, I think we are doing more than any government to protect the Green Belt, and that is what we will continue to do. Thank
1: you, Mr Speaker. The proposed uh, Mersey Gateway Bridge uh, will help ease tra- tra- traffic congestion in my constituency in the City of welfare, the Commonwealth of Weaver Vale. Uh, the last Tory government turned it down. It will also create over 4,000 jobs in Cheshire and Merseyside. Can I ask my right hon. Friend, will he do all he can to ensure there's no delay
0: in the final decision approval, because after all this is exactly the source of the infrastructure project that will help economic recovery? Yeah, my my, my hon. Friend has been working very hard and uh, representing the case of his constituents on this matter, and I can assure him we will look very carefully at what he says. I can tell him that we plan to advance public spending in the year that is uh, coming, that is from April Uh, this year uh, and that we plan to spend £44 in this year and that will add to the number of jobs in every constituency Adrian Saunders
1: It was announced today that another 800 jobs have been lost in the South Devon area which is going to put more pressure on South Devon College which helps train people and help them back into work Will he look urgently at the funding blockages that are preventing this outstanding college from expanding and helping some of these people who are losing their jobs? Yeah. I'm
0: grateful to him, and I will. I will look at it. I, I repeat that the investment to take place in further education colleges, that is the capital programme, uh, will be 110 million this year. I can also uh, say to him that the train to gain programme, in which colleges are often involved, is expanding from 300,000 to 700,000 and then a million, so there are more people going to be able to take courses uh, that will give them the skills that are necessary. But, of course, I will look at the specific issue he raises in his own constituency.
1: Jim Devine. We go. Thank, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Mr yeah. Speaker. As my right hon. Friend is aware, a recently released prisoner from Guantanamo Bay has been making very serious allegations about torture. I wonder if my right hon. Friend could assure me and the rest of the House that these claims will be fully investigated.
0: Uh, Mr Speaker, uh, I have uh, placed a written ministerial statement uh, in the library this this morning and I want to update the House uh, about what the government does so that we can actually deal uh, unequivocally with uh, our condemnation of the use of torture. We will now publish, uh, after consultation with the ISC, uh, the guidance to intelligence officers and to service personnel on detention and on the interviews of detainees overseas, we will invite Sir Peter Gibson, who is the former Lord Justice, and the current Intelligence Services Commissioner, to monitor complaints with the guidance and to report to me annually. And in order to have systems that are robust, we will ask... Uh,
1: Let the Prime Minister speak.
0: Uh, let, uh, Let the Prime Minister speak. The Prime Minister. In order to ensure that our systems are robust, we will ask the Intelligence Security Committee to consider any developments and relevant information since the last report. Mr Speaker, I have faith in our security services. We must ensure that the public also have all the faith that is necessary in our security services and we condemn absolutely the use of torture.
1: I hear shouting, if anyone feels there should be a statement then ask for an urgent question. That's the way to do it. And therefore, therefore, ask for an urgent question. Order. Bill
0: Cash.
1: What the Prime Minister Minister just said with regard to the uh, hospital in Stafford simply isn't enough. Uh, We do need a review of the case notes, but we don't just want a Quality of Care Commission review. What we need is a full public inquiry under the powers. in, In order to get to the bottom of this, it is not enough just simply to deal with it in the way he's described. We need to know whether compensation will be payable to the victims and also the fact that the people who are responsible who are still on the board are sacked and not simply suspended on
0: pay. I know that uh, he, he is a member for the constituency that covers uh, this, uh, this hospital as well. So let me, let me reply to him in, in some detail. First, first of all, all disciplinary matters are being dealt with at the moment by the new chief executive who is looking at what has happened in the hospital over these last few years in the right of the Health Care Commission report. But at the same time, I think he will agree that, first of all, we have got a healthcare commission report that is going to be followed up by a review into what happened between 2003 and 2006 and an inquiry by George Alberti about whether the standards that have been raised are actually satisfactory for people in the area. At the same time, the Quality Commission is going to look at the standards of healthcare overall and to look at whether there is an early warning system that can be better in future for dealing with such problems. Uh, individuals of course can take what cases they wish to do so but I think they will welcome the fact that the individual case notes are to be available to them and are to be reviewed independently
1: Dr Howell Francis uh, Thank you Mr Speaker Could I add my uh, condolences to the families of all those servicemen who have died recently in Afghanistan including Corporal Dean John of Port Albert in my constituency the Dean was a member of a well respected service family Many of our 6 million carers uh, in this country have benefited significantly from the Government's new National Carers Strategy, and we should welcome that. However, the carers' allowance has not been improved. Would my right honourable friend, uh, the Prime Minister, agree to meet carers' organisations and the all-party carers' group to discuss ways of improving carers' benefits, as recommended by the Work and Pension Select Committee report last year?
0: The six million carers in in our society are at the heart of uh, the help that is uh, necessary for people in need of um, assistance and care, and we want to do everything possible we can to help them. I will happily meet the delegation that he suggests. As he knows, the National Carers uh, Strategy made proposals about respite care, about training for carers, about pensions for carers. Uh, We are also looking at the allowances that are available for carers. Uh, We want to do whatever we can to help uh, that group of people who give their lives to help people who are in difficulty and in need. Uh, I look forward to meeting the carers' organisations. On Saturday, my right honourable friend, the member for North West Hampshire, and my honourable friend, the member for Basingstoke, and I visited Basingstoke Hospital to see an out-of-hours medical service provided by local GPs. It's a fantastic success story called Handstock.
1: (coughs) (laughs) Um, It's been rated the best
0: health provider in Hampshire. It's got nearly 100% customer satisfaction and it's locally run and locally devised. Is this not a better model than the top-down, target-driven, Whitehall-imposed approach that seems to be sadly less successful elsewhere in the NHS? (laughs) Mr Speaker... It doesn't seem to me incompatible to have locally-run health services that are at the high standard that he uh, has uh, asked for and has seen in his own constituency, and I have seen in many hospitals and many GP-led centres in the country, and to have minimum uh, targets that are objectives that are set that can be met for the country as a whole. And I come back to this. Do we want to get rid of the objective and indeed the guarantee that within two weeks someone suffering from cancer can be seen by a clinician. Do we really want to say that we want to go backwards on that? Surely that must be a national objective that all people can support. Yeah. Legman.
2: Thank you, Mr Speaker. Many British children on the island of St Helena are living with only one parent or without both parents as adults of working age are having to leave the island to find work elsewhere. The decision this week to put off a decision on the airport has uh, dismayed them. Will my right honourable friend commit to an early decision and give these families some hope that they can live back together again?
0: Well, I I know my honourable friend held a debate on this matter in in, in Westminster uh, Hall. Uh, I think it's very important to say that we have uh, set up a consultation on options for access uh, to St Helena. That consultation will report and then we will make the right decision. Thank you.